0: Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles everywhere, to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Presented by Lincoln Financial Group, I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Hope everyone is doing well out there as free agency heads into its second week. The Eagles, as we get you caught up on everything, the new business year rolling along. The Eagles, of course, making that Carson Wentz trade official. Howie Roseman, Nick Sirianni meeting the media last week. So what have the Eagles done in free agency to date? Well, last week, they retained defensive tackle Hassan Ridgway, who will help with depth behind Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Just 14 games for Ridgway the last two years. Injuries have been a problem for him since the Eagles acquired him in a trade from the Indianapolis Colts. But he's played well when he's been healthy. So Hassan, stay healthy in 2021. The Eagles also adding a pair of safeties. First, Andrew Adams. Played for five years in the NFL with the Giants and with Tampa Bay. Winning a Super Bowl last year with the Bucs. Mostly a special teams player in his career. Really, has been terrific on special teams with just a smattering of reps on defense. And then over the weekend, the Eagles adding Anthony Harris to the safety position. Now, interesting signing here. Should be, could be a good fit here in the defense, he worked with Jonathan Gannon when Gannon was in Minnesota from 2014 to 2017. And in 2019, Harris tied for the league lead with six interceptions. He's been a starter the last two and a half seasons in Minnesota, all 16 games last year, 14 games in 2019. And then of course in 2018, he broke into the starting lineup, started the final nine games there and has been rated by Pro Football Focus as one of the best safeties in the NFL over that three-year period. He's a ball hawk. He knows the defense. Great culture player. Jonathan Gannon will feel very comfortable turning to Harris to help teach the defense to this Philadelphia Eagles team. Gannon wants to be aggressive, wants to change things up, and wants to take the football away, something the Vikings did very well when Gannon was there, and something the Colts have done very well the last three seasons while Gannon was a defensive coach in Indianapolis. Now, on the other side, the Eagles have lost some players. Of course, they traded Carson Wentz. Jalen Mills goes to the Patriots as a free agent. Good luck to Jalen. Versatile player here. Harris comes in and replaces him and adds to a position that We'll need some young players to step up. Kayvon Wallace, knock, knock. It's your time. Rodney McLeod recovering from a torn ACL last year, so the safety position in change. Punter Cameron Johnston signs with the Houston Texans. The Eagles have one punter on the roster, Aaron Sipas, a former Australian rules football player. Yeah, a footballer. You kind of get that whole thing. The Eagles have this back to Savrocka days. Uh, he was a player in the afl there with the you know in in the i guess the mornington peninsula nepeon football league whatever that is went to auburn university had a really good career there signed with detroit as an undrafted free agent last year went on the covid19 list and that didn't help him on the practice squad off and on last year and you know we'll see Uh, The Eagles need to replace Johnston not only as a punter, but as a holder. So that's kind of your free agent to date update. Eagles say they're looking for the right fit. Harris would be that right fit at safety, and then potentially Adams as a depth safety and special teams ace. And then, of course, keeping Ridgeway adds depth on the defensive line. We're here to talk about The quarterback position And that means Jalen Hurts Who's the only quarterback Under contract for the Eagles right now Last year, second round draft pick 53rd overall by the Eagles He started four games He came in When the Eagles were in Green Bay And really tough game Carson Wentz struggling The Eagles turned to Hurts And Hurts gave him some life You remember the game, right? December sixth, Hertz making a big, big throw down the field, his first touchdown pass to Greg Ward, and you could hear
1: the excitement, the call from Merrill Reese and Mike Quick. Hertz is in. Hertz is rolling. He's looking. He puts it in the air. Touchdown, Greg Ward! What a throw and what a catch! <laughs> What a great throw. Listen, he buys the time necessary to allow Greg Ward to find an opening in that defense, and he throws him open. When he throws the
0: ball to the corner of the end zone on the right side, it's Greg Ward, go get the football, and Ward does. And so it was kind of like that throughout the rest of the season, the final four games. In all, he completed 77 of 148 passes, 52%, 1,061 yards. Six touchdowns, four interceptions. Had that huge game against the Saints. 17 of 30 passing, 167 in the air, and a touchdown. He also ran for 106 yards. He was just terrific. So many big plays in that game.
1: It is fourth and two. There's Hertz. He's back. He is floating the football. It is caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. He gets it over to Alshon Jeffrey. Was he ready? Was it time? No question he was you ready. You Jalen Hurts, in his first NFL start, looks anything but like a rookie.
0: There were also times, though, when Hurts struggled. Now, he came back the next week and threw three touchdown passes against Arizona. I mean, an electrifying performance. And all along the way, then head coach doug peterson talking about Hertz. so i spoke to peterson after the first start that was the game against the saints and here's what doug had to say about the
2: starting debut of jalen hurts outside of the one turnover he really took care of the football didn't put the offense in any any harm's way threw the ball away no sacks was able to extend plays with his legs, stayed on the field on th- on third down, scrambles, you know, was very efficient in the passing game, also in the run game, just, just ran the offense, was very very efficient. A week later,
0: he comes back against the Cardinals, three touchdown passes, and Peterson even more impressed, albeit a losing effort. 63 yards on the ground, three thirty-eight in the air, counted for four touchdowns, three in the air. For uh, also one on the ground and doug peterson at the time well he was so impressed with what number two was showing him
2: i i saw improvement but but we can we can even improve uh even more he did better with his drops he can continue to work and, and get better there I, I thought his decision timing accuracy was uh was was really good especially from the pocket there were a couple of receiver screens and some movement throws that you know accuracy uh, could be could be a little bit better, but I thought overall. Listen, I, you know, I'm nitpicking just a little bit, but these are the details that that Jalen Jalen wants expressed, right? How can I get better as a quarterback? And so these are the things that that we can help him improve uh, and 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 ultimately be a be a better quarterback. And then came the game in
0: Dallas. Now, Hertz had one huge play. We all remember that big
1: touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson. Hertz Buck. He's looking. He is going deep down the field, and it is caught. Deshaun Jackson, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Deshaun Jackson, 81 yards. (laughs) They gave Jalen Hurts enough time. He heaves it downfield to Deshaun Jackson, and that's what you get from D-Jack.
0: But in that game, there were some problems. Turnovers, the main problem. Two interceptions, Fumbles, you can kind of hear it in the voice in the red zone as Merrill and Mike
1: watched it. Jalen Hurts just made mistakes, as all rookies do. Back goes Hurts again. He's looking, he steps up, he fires, and it is intercepted. Hurts back again, he pumps, he looks, he dashes out of the way. Now he starts to run up the middle. He does, and he comes across the 15, down to the 13, the ball comes loose. Let's see. It's a Cowboys ball. They're going to say fumble Jalen Hurts.
0: Anyway, so that is how it went for Hurts in year one. And now it's going to be his job, it appears, from day one in 2021. So in this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group, we're going to introduce you to quarterback coach Brian Johnson. And you'll hear his history. A great quarterback at the University of Utah, has known Hurts for many, many years, and had, has had great success in the college ranks as a coach. So we'll hear from him in a bit. But let's hear from Marilyn Mike. First up, Mike Quick, the question to Mike is, how good can Jalen Hurts be in this offense? I don't think we know all the details of the offense, first of all. But centered around his skill sets, he could be really good. It's just, you know, looking at the way the NFL is going and trending with a lot of the influence of college football, Uh, I think he could be really good because he has the right skill set to extend plays, run when you need to, uh, and really keep a defense off balance with that run-pass option that's so prevalent now in the National Football League. Yeah, so everybody agrees that there is talent here, no doubt about it. Now, I had a long conversation with the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, the other day, and Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. Prominent topics for Merrill. Merrill, uh, we've talked prior to the start of free agency, prior to the official trade of Carson Wentz. So let's begin there. Your thoughts on Carson his time in Philadelphia, and the sudden turn of events that now he's an Indianapolis Colt.
3: Well, I thought the I thought the drafting of Carson Wentz was absolutely terrific at the time. I thought that uh, Howie Roseman was masterful in making the moves that he had to make, the trade that he had to make to move into the second spot and draft Carson Wentz. I thought he had a meteoric rise from his first game with his initial win, the start of the season where he wasn't even expected to be a starter. But with the Sam Bradford trade, he moved into the starting spot and really had an excellent first year. I think at the time he went down in the second year, the Eagles were clinching the NFC East that day. And he was the, at that point, I thought he was the MVP of the league. Uh The third year, he had the back injury. And even though he had his highs, and I think he had uh, in, in taking the team to the playoffs in 2019, particularly at the end of the season with the four straight wins, I also felt that uh he was not ever the same quarterback that he was in 2017. This year, he clearly, clearly struggled. Uh, he was indecisive. He wasn't accurate. He he did not have a good year by any stretch of the imagination, statistically or any other way. And it was also clear to me that Carson Wentz wanted to be traded. Uh, there were statements that uh, he felt the relationship between him and Doug Peterson was fractured. And people said, well, he didn't say it. It was reported but he had a lot of opportunities to refute that statement by using social media or having a spokesman refute it for him. But uh, he never refuted the statements. And even after Doug wasn't retained, he still made it clear that he was not coming back. So uh, even even though he wouldn't get into that at his press conference, he absolutely forced that trade.
0: Merrill, it's one of the, I guess I would say, most tragic falls from grace of an Eagles player that I can remember. Have you, in your many years, can you remember anything where a guy was so good and now he's gone?
3: It's it's hard to think of anything comparable. It it really is. I mean, there have been players who were great players and then had severe injuries that shortened their careers, but nothing like this. Uh, certainly nothing, uh, nothing like this with a quarterback.
0: Merrill, I wonder... What do you have any explanation? I, I, I've, I mean, it, it was it the injuries, uh, you know, was it the dissatisfaction with the, the offense? I mean, what, how did you, how did you look at Carson? And what do you think of him as we, as we we'll move on here because he's no longer an Eagle, but certainly played a big part in the, the, the resurgence of the, of the franchise. And I wish him well, I wish him well. And
3: I hope he has every success in Indianapolis. I think he's a good person. Uh, I think he is a, a talented quarterback, but uh, how much he can get back the gifts that he displayed here early in his career remains to be seen. Uh, frankly, I'm not sure. I'm not confident in that. He seems to be feeling that that the Frank Reich uh, can put him back in that position to be successful. All I can say is we'll see.
0: Okay, Merrill. Now we it appears we're going to play now with Galen Hurts as the quarterback did you see enough of him last year to really get a feel for what he can be
3: I did I, I really did I mean of course it, it all remains to be seen but I saw a quarterback even going back to training camp who could make every throw I mean he has he's got a, a very strong arm I've heard people question his arm strength I don't question it at all I think at the combine he threw the ball with a velocity of 54 miles an hour uh, Justin Herbert is supposed to have a cannon, and he does. Uh, his measurement in that category was 55 miles an hour. So there's not much difference. He's got a big arm. Uh, his pass completion uh, at Oklahoma was about 70%. Now, people say, well, he, he didn't throw anywhere near that. in his four stars with the Eagles. But keep in mind that he was playing behind an offensive line that was changing every week. And also, Carson Wentz took 50 sacks, many of which were self-induced. In the case of Jalen Hurts, when things broke down, he simply threw the ball away and avoided sacks that way. I've also heard some people say, well, listen, he started four games. He lost three out of the four he started. Do you really believe that the last game against Washington should be counted as a loss for Jalen Hurts? He had that team in position to win, and they pulled him in the last quarter. He didn't have a chance to win that game, and I still felt at that time that first of all, I thought they should have kicked a, a tying field goal at the end of the third quarter, and I thought he could have won that game. And he won it with half a roster. He won it with backup. I mean, he he played that game with half a roster. I mean, I know they lost, but he he was not surrounded by many starters, and he still was in position in that fourth quarter to win the game when they pulled him. So to say he was he was one in three. No, I, I, I would not count that at all. And he plays some pretty tough teams uh, in losing to Dallas and losing to the Cardinals.
0: Merrill, so I mean, what do the Eagles uh, – look, I think we, we all kind of agree, I mean, at least I'm going to pitch this to you, that mm-hmm. the Eagles aren't going to make much of a splash here in free agency. They just don't have the means. No. So you, you, and then, So you hope the draft yields some immediate impact. But as you look at the offense, are the pieces in place here for Jalen to have success? Well, I think the most
3: important part, Dave, and, and I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have any problem with trading some talented defensive players, but I think the most important thing for Jalen Hurts' development is to keep the offensive line with veterans for this season. I'm not going to say that guys like Jack Driscoll and Nate Herbig aren't going to play roles, but I, I'm glad that Lane Johnson is coming back and that Brandon Brooks is coming back and that you you have Jason Kelsey who didn't retire and you have Sia And I think Milata is really going to have a good year. So I think it's very, very important to have stability on that offensive line to give him some protection. Otherwise, you're not going to see what he can do. And I think if they make the right moves in the draft, uh, I think this wide receiving core can be – can be very very good. I think that Jalen Rager, with another off season, uh, with hopefully some preseason games to to get work, uh, I think he can be a very very good receiver. And I would uh, I'd be thrilled to see them draft somebody like
1: uh,
3: you know Jamar Chase. I'd be thrilled to see them draft Devonte Smith, and I'd certainly be thrilled to see them draft Kyle Pitts. I think it would give a very very good wide receiver group.
0: So no, Merrill Reese, drafts, uh, the, the, your thought on the draft is, well, hey, why not get an impact offensive skill position player?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I don't believe that they can draft a quarterback that's going to help them any more than uh, Jalen Hurts. I mean, look, let's face it. When you look at Trevor Lawrence, he is a, a once-in-20-year player. I mean, he's he is exceptional. But he's going to be gone number one. There's no doubt about that. And of all the other quarterbacks they talk about, I, I like Jalen Hurts as much or more than any of them.
0: Merrill, uh, you know, we've gone through this many times together, this free agency. And I guess in the Andy Reid era, there, there was never a huge push uh, until really you know the, the Javon Kerr's, Dahani Jones, Terrell Owens, pre-2004 move. What is your thought on, on free agency? It, we, we obviously, again, Eagles aren't going to be major players here. Are you okay with that?
3: I am because of the situation they're in.
0: Uh, I would not have brought in
3: a veteran wide receiver. Uh, I think I think the, the greatest thing they could have done is is picked up some of the ones that were out there last year. I mean, let's face it, uh, there there were some wide receivers last year who were very very tempting, but the best wide receivers went very very quickly in this draft. I think in this free agency market, I think they made a good move. Uh, back in 2017, when they picked up Alshon Jeffrey, and I agree that with Alshon Jeffrey, there not, might not be a Lombardi title uh, in, in the Eagles' history because he was a big part of that season and he was a big part of the Super Bowl. So that was a great pickup, but, and now he moves on, of course. But uh, Golden Tate was was good for a while. Uh, he helped win the game at the playoff game against the Bears, but uh, other than that, uh, the Eagles haven't done a lot. In free agency that was tremendously impactful.
0: Well, a good segue to the end of the Deshaun Jackson era. He was released. That trade with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to bring him back in 2019, Merrill. We all had such great high hopes. I mean, again, you and Mike in that first game against Washington and the two big touchdown catches from Carson Wentz, we thought this was going to be a lot of fun. It didn't turn out that way. And how will you remember Deshaun Jackson, Merrill? uh uh-huh. Well, I'd like to remember Deshaun
3: Jackson, about his first day, when he was the best tracker of the ball that I've ever seen, where he was such a dangerous weapon. But when you think about these last couple of years with Deshaun Jackson, I think somebody broke it down to actually figure out that he made $850,000 to catch. That's not good value.
0: Well, it's good value for him, but it's not good value for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> no,
3: no. Well, that's that's what I'm talking about. What do you play four games in two years? Yeah, I mean that's not that, that's not what you want. No, that that turned out to be uh, close to a disastrous move.
0: So, Merle, can the Eagles compete in the NFC East? I mean, look, the, the I, I guess you kind of what you see is what you have with this roster to a degree. I mean. You're counting on rookies to make immediate impact. As they stand, do you think they compete?
3: You know, I've heard people and read columns where they think that the Eagles will be as bad as last year or worse. And I've heard people say that, they're going to win maybe three games. This is the NFC East. I think the Cowboys are the team to beat, uh, assuming that Dak Prescott is healthy. And uh, I think they are the team to beat. I'm not so convinced that the Giants are ready to pick it up and march forward or that Washington is. Um, Washington's going to be depending, I think, on Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback, and he hasn't stayed healthy that often. It's still, it's still not a great division. It really isn't. And I think that in this division, the Eagles can win some games. But again, um, we, the, the Eagles have a new coaching staff. Uh, I thought that Nick Sirianni came off very well in his press conference the other day. He he was a lot more comfortable. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. He's got a new coaching staff, uh, some interesting people on that coaching staff. I like the fact that Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach, is there and has a history with Jalen Hurts, and I like what he achieved as the offensive coordinator at Miami, and everybody he's worked for. Uh, Kyle Whittingham at Utah has had glowing, glowing things to say about what he has done. He worked with Dak Prescott uh, in college at Mississippi State. So I think he's probably going to be the right coach to bring Jalen Hurts up to the next level. And again, I, I have confidence that Jalen Hurts is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's a talented young man. I think he can be very decisive. He's very bright. I like the effect that he's shown in the locker room his leadership ability everything i have heard about him is positive again i don't look at the statistics for his four games last year i saw enough to believe there's a lot of talent there and i think that in this division it, i'm not prepared to say that they're going to win eight or nine games or seven games but i'm also not prepared to say well they're not going to win more than three or four games i i can't say that it's a new coach the draft is going to impact, has to impact this team. So there are a lot of things that that sitting here in the middle of March, you really can't say with any kind of certainty. It's really a wait and see. It's an I, as they used to say in a college transcript, for a course where you didn't have all the work uh, presented. So I think we have to wait to see what this team is really all about. So I'm not discouraged. I'm excited. Uh, my interest peaks very, very quickly around this time of year. I'm I'm going to be very excited about the draft, but believe me, if they get one of those players that I mentioned, and, and I can name I, I can name Chase as one, I can may, name Devontae Smith as one, uh, if I had my choice, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Pitt might be the one that I would take above all others, and even uh, Jalen Waddell. Those four guys would make me, or even Certain, if they end up with Certain. I'd be I'd be very excited by any of those five players.
0: Merrill, final position to talk about, and it's a big one. Um backup quarterback, veteran backup quarterback. The market's dried up. The Eagles have one quarterback, Jalen, on the roster who signed. I mean, you gotta have a veteran backup, well, right? They, I mean, do you have any idea? Yeah, I
4: there?
0: Uh, like yeah.
3: well I I'll throw one name out there. Because as far as I can see, anybody that you're thinking about is probably gone. But there's one guy out there who would love to play in a backup role. And and maybe he's the guy to get. He's probably rested. He's physically back in shape. And that would be Ron Jaworski.
0: (laughs) I don't think he's going to be mobile enough to be in this offense. Well, that's the only name that comes to my mind. (laughs) <laughs> well, he'll be great in the locker room, and it'd be a great quote. But I just don't think Jaws is—that's that, that, for uh, has, sure.
3: But yeah, but, but truthfully,
0: I—I I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe you bring back Nick Foles if he's available. Interesting. Uh, the only thing about Nick is, well, he certainly is—he's a member of the Bears as we speak. And although they did sign Andy Dalton, but I just—it's it, such a different athletic skill set from Jalen. I mean, do you really, I mean, all I've, I've talked to Nick, I've talked to Shane Steichen a lot. Uh, They talk about building the offense around the skills of your players. Well, if you have somebody like Nick Foles in or, or a quarterback who lacks that mobility, you know, you just, you have to have two different offenses in place. No.
1: But you
3: know what I, I, I heard. And one of the things I liked uh, when I heard Nick Suriata talk about it, he said, you suit your offense to your talent. You don't, have an offense in mind and, and try to make uh, you know square pegs go in round holes or vice versa. You you suit your 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 system to the talent you have. And if you have a, a Nick Foles, for example, as a backup number one, we know he's a good guy. You know he's not going to try to undermine only to help uh, Jalen Hurts. And so you make the adjustments you have to make. Uh, his wisdom would help. I know there's going to be some people who um, you know, want to ram stack outside the link and call for Nick Foles to be the starter. But I don't think that's in the works, nor should it be. But I think that Nick Foles could still come in and get you out of a game. And I think if he had to start a couple of games, he'd be just fine. So I don't think his career is at an end. But if, um, I'm just trying to think who else is out there. I was surprised, frankly, to see Trubisky go to the Buffalo Bills and not that I'm a big Trubisky fan, but I thought that Mitch Trubisky still had starting quarterback after only a few years uh, from being a number one pick near the beginning of the draft uh, in his mind. And he's certainly not going to be that in in Buffalo. Absolutely not. That's
0: not going to happen. Merrill, we'll, we, we will see. I mean, uh long way to go here in free agency. And the draft is, what, here? We're about, what, six weeks away from the draft? So... I guess I'm right there with you. Can't wait. Eagles have 11 draft picks, and they certainly have to nail this draft. Everybody agrees with that.
3: Nobody asked at the press conference, and, and, and maybe it should have been asked. If I had one that I could have asked or, or would have asked, it would be going into this draft. Over the years, it doesn't seem as if the Eagles have put a priority on the linebacker position. I might have asked. Uh, I might have asked Nick, uh, how important is that position? To you, uh, in terms of a priority for this team, because I think it should be a priority at some point.
0: Merrill Reese, thank you very much. Okay, good stuff there. Thanks to Marilyn, to Mike. Now let's turn it over to the coaching staff and Brian Johnson, who's going to play a pivotal role developing the quarterback room. And right now, that quarterback room has one player in it, and that's Jalen Hurts. Let's meet quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson. Hey, Brian. Good to meet you. Dave Spadaro here. Um, Been around the Eagles a long time. Heard heard a lot of great things about you. I'm excited to see what you can do with the quarterback room. And I know that you're a former quarterback and you had a lot of success in your career. And so I guess my first question is about the position and the ideal mindset that you have to play to be great at maybe this, all of sports' most challenging and important position. What do you have to have going on between your
4: ears to make it work? Well, I think there is a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different factors that come into play I think number one is uh most importantly is being physically and mentally tough um you know and having an unbelievable standard for yourself and setting an unbelievably high standard for yourself and trying to meet that standard each and every day and everything that you do so uh, I'm excited for this opportunity uh, it's a it's a great organization uh, I've really gotten a chance to to be with some great people over the last couple months and I'm ready to get rolling.
0: So, Brian, when you say setting expectations, does that come naturally with a young man? I mean, or or do you think you can coach up that that kind
4: of those kind of expectations and and maybe raise the players expectations or does it come naturally? Um, I think, you know, every great player that I've been around, excuse me, the one quality that they all share is that they're self-starters and they have an unbelievably high standard for themselves. And I do think that can be developed to a certain extent. And. Throughout the course of practicing, playing in games, continue to gain confidence, you have a, you have a real chance to really refine those skills uh, on a weekly basis.
0: Okay, so for Eagles fans who don't know about Brian Johnson, great quarterback at the University of Utah, started for three years, two team MVP awards. Um, what was playing at Utah and having success, wins and losses, by the way, too? What was it like at Utah? How great
4: was it? I had a, such an unbelievable experience uh in college. You know, obviously I met my wife there and had a ton of success on the football field. I really, you know, I didn't know much about Utah. I grew up in Texas, so I didn't know much about it until uh until I got there. So it was just a an unreal experience, uh one that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, uh, you know, I actually spent about ten years in Salt Lake City and it's a wonderful city, wonderful people. My freshman year I backed up Alex Smith. So uh, and then I continued to start after that. So it was, you know, I got a chance to learn a lot from him and just see how he operated. And, I, you know, I, I feel like I carried that on, Uh, you know, some of the traits that he had in terms of how you prepare and how you get ready on a weekly basis to go perform at a high level. I got a chance to see it up close and personal and, and was able to uh, replicate some of that success in terms of our team and, and going undefeated and things of that nature. So, uh you know, I, would say I was I was a pretty good player. Had some great players around me, some great coaches, and uh, won a lot of ball games.
0: Okay, you're a humble man, so we know that. Um, <laughs> what were, what were your strengths, and, and what what and what maybe prevented you from being an NFL quarterback?
4: Well, I think one of my strengths, my biggest strengths, was uh, my ability to process information quickly. Uh, you know, and, and get through progressions fast. You know, the ball pretty much always went where it was supposed to go in terms of how the coverage dictated whatever concept we were running, you know, handled a lot at the line of scrimmage myself in terms of checking in and out of good and bad plays. And I think physically, one of my best traits was accuracy. Um, I could put the ball pretty much wherever in terms of, uh, giving the receiver a chance to run with it after the catch or fitting it in tight windows. I think the one thing that probably limited me was I did have an injury history and, um, you know, I had a shoulder surgery going into my, you know, after my junior season so i played pretty much my entire junior season with a separated uh throwing shoulder and i had a little surgery to clean it up after but i just never regained uh the arm strength that i needed to play at that level um after that shoulder surgery i wish i could could go back and, and do a little bit different rehab but you know once once i had that shoulder surgery i just didn't have the energy on the ball that's needed to to play at this level
0: Well, we certainly know that you had a high pain threshold, right? I mean, playing an entire season with a separated shoulder, uh, not easy to do.
4: Yeah, for sure. So the ability to handle adversity and the ability to handle success is so important uh, from the quarterback position and and remaining even keeled and not getting too high not getting too low, but just being consistent in your approach each and every day will allow you to go out there and, and put together a consistent performance. Brian, did you dream of playing in the NFL when you were a kid and, and when you were at Utah also? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think anybody that reaches that level of, of playing college football has an, has a dream to go play in the National Football League. But when you really break down and you look at the numbers, it's staggering. The, the percentage of guys that actually make it and have extended careers is even more staggering. So, um, you know, that became a harsh reality a harsh reality of it but you know fortunately I was able to uh to find different ways to stay around the game and uh, was able to get in another way okay so you mentioned Alex Smith who
0: went on and has continued to have a great NFL career you talked about some of the examples that he set in college what examples would a guy like that set like for a young you were a freshman
4: he was a senior what were some of the specific things you learned from him well, I think that you know, the biggest thing, so the first summer when I went out there, this was before you could start summer school and stuff, so I, I lived with him for an entire summer, um, and I'll, I'll never forget, Coach Mullen was like, well, you just follow Alex around and do everything that he does, and it gave me such, um, such a sense of the intensity and the detail that you need to have in every aspect, uh, you know, whether it was your training, your study habits, you um, you know, and at that time we were the only two scholarship quarterbacks. So uh, I just learned so much just in, in terms of how to really prepare and, and to create a weekly routine. You know, football players are really, and coaches for that matter, are creatures of habit. And it's really all about building the proper habits to have success. So just understanding what it took to be consistent in terms of your preparation and your performance and how that correlates. I think uh, that was probably the biggest and most specific lesson that I learned from him.
0: Well, last one about your playing career because it's really an interesting little side note. Um, You were on the cover of EA Sports 2010 NCAA football video game, Um, huge. Uh, How'd that come about and and what was the attention like? Did it it
4: raise your Q rating? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. It was uh, an unbelievable experience. you know, it happened, like, right after uh, we played my, my last game against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I got a call from Jamal Anderson, actually, who was a former Utah running back, played for the Falcons. And uh, he was having dinner with an executive at EA Sports, and my name, it came up. And then, like, two weeks later, uh, you know, they asked if I wanted to be on the cover of the game. And I was like, absolutely. Like, every – every that was, like, the first thing uh, once you signed or once you – uh Became a college player was to find yourself on the game and make sure that they had your ratings and stuff correct. So it was an unbelievable honor, uh, one that I'm extremely proud of, and now have like uh, like actual evidence to my kids that I could that I could play a little bit.
0: Now, if we go into your private
4: vault, do you have like 400 of these games around? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I do, a, uh, I do have a I do have a do have a copy of it. In one, of, in one of these boxes somewhere around here. So I don't have all 400 copies. I probably should have because <laughs> um, I'm not sure there are many around, uh, many around these days now.
0: And yeah, just look on Amazon. They're all over the place probably. Hey, Brian, I wonder
4: how did you transition from player to coach? What, when did the coaching bug start to bite you? So it's really, really interesting story. Um, I, ha- I had an opportunity immediately after I was finished playing. Um, And and Kyle Whittingham, who I have a a ton of respect for and who who I've also learned a lot from. After my last game, uh, you know, he offered me an opportunity to to start coaching right away and become the quarterback's coach at Utah at like 21 years old. And me, you know, him having that wisdom and foresight to know that I wasn't an NFL player, he probably should have just told me, hey, you ain't playing in the league. Might as well start coaching. So, you know, me and my naivete – was like, you know what? I want to try to play. I want to see if I can go try to play in the league. So at least I can say I have no regrets. And I at least tried to go do it. And, uh, you know, obviously it didn't end up working out. And so I was actually back in Salt Lake that following fall. And I was doing a bunch of little things. You know, I kind of had the video game. So I kind of like floated on that for a year. But I had, I had the video game stuff where I was doing like game appearances. I was doing like weekly radio. I was writing a column for the Salt Lake Tribune. So I was kind of just trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. I think that's such a unique point in your life is, you know, that year when you finish college and you really enter the real world of really figuring it out, figuring out, uh, you know, which direction you want to go. And so I was kind of around just hanging around the office. And uh, that, that December, he brought me in for an interview. Uh, and actually, I thought I was going to interview for like the G.A. job. And uh, he brought me in. He said, I'm interviewed to be the quarterback's coach. And we interviewed for probably five hours that day. And, uh, you know, he offered me the quarterback's job. I was 22 years old. Uh, and the rest is kind of history. You know, I'm 11 seasons in now. And it's kind of all been – it's been a great experience so far. But I was really, really fortunate to get in at a at an early age and at a young age. And uh, really thankful that he had that, that amount of trust in me to uh, – to do that job at such a young age. How quickly did you realize that? Oh my gosh, coaches work a whole lot harder than players do. Absolutely. I mean, it <laughs> was—it really was a uh, an eye opener, an eye opening experience. Just in terms of uh, not so much the amount of time, because you know, as a player, you spend a lot of time as well. But just navigating the problem solving aspect of it was was completely different. And then you add in there was just some additional. Factors in terms of going from player to coach on a team that you played on two years prior to. So there were several people who on the team who I who I played with, who I had great relationships with. Um, There were even people on the team on the team that was older than I was at that point. So uh, it was very, very unique. Um, But, you know, I was I was able to navigate it fine and. you know, I learned learned a lot very, very quickly. And, um, you know, it's an experience that I'll always be grateful for.
0: Brian, you've coached at Utah, Mississippi State, Houston, Florida. Success in different schemes, styles, talent, um, states. What works in the college game? And, and is it more scheme or is it more talent or is it
4: a combination? Well, it's always. I mean, the, the one thing I learned as a, as a young player, young coach, is that um, this game will forever and always be about players. Um, and it is a player's game. The players are out there making the plays, making it happen. Um, however, coaching coaching does matter. so I think it's it's definitely a balancing act. And uh, you know, to me, the measure of a great coach is finding out what your players do well and highlighting those talents to make sure that they can have success on a consistent basis. So, you know, I think one thing as a coach that you have to do is you have to do a great job of being well-versed in different schemes and you really have to professionally develop and not just get stuck into, this is my system. This is what I'm running. You have to go find out and talk to other people and find out what they do and problem solve and be uh, be a true professional and find out multiple ways to do things so you can give your players the best chance to be successful. Brian, what is your coaching style day to day? I'll say it's, it's direct. It's very direct uh, and honest. Uh, you know, I think the the biggest thing is, and we talk about this with Coach Sirianni all the time, is, you know, players want to know how can you help them and how can you get them better, uh, and you have to be you have to show that from the jump. And to me, that's how you build trust and a connection with your players. And if they believe that you can help them reach their goals. They're going to give you everything they have. So, to me, it's it's about finding out how. Uh, I think the first thing is is understanding this, right? As a coach, you're essentially a teacher, and your job as a teacher is to transfer information so that they can apply it. So, the best thing, you know, I've been around. My mother-in-law's a teacher. I've been around some great teachers. I've had some great teachers in my life. So, the the, the first thing that I think you have to understand is finding out how that particular player learns. And the challenge is to find out how they learn individually. And then you have to balance that with teaching the group collectively. So, uh, putting, you know, being creative in your ways to find out how guys learn and put them in a position to have success. That's my coaching style. You know, I'm very, very passionate about the game, I'm very, very passionate about development. I love seeing guys get better, Uh, I love seeing guys improve. Uh, but, you know, my coaching style, in a sense, is, is one that is is going to be straightforward in, in terms of, uh, you know, I'm going to give you everything that I have and use every tool at my disposal to make sure that you become the best ver- the best version of yourself.
0: You talked, Brian, about some of the great players that you've worked with, and one of them just cashed in with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, gulped $40 million a year for Dak Prescott. And I know that you had a lot of success with him. Um what was he like to work
4: with and how do you think you helped him become a better quarterback? Well, he's, um, unbelievable to work with. I mean, everything you see publicly is, is who he is as a person. Uh, he's very, very genuine. He's an extremely hard worker. He's tough. He's talented. He has unbelievable character. Um, you know, and, and it's no surprise to me that, uh, that he's reached these heights playing the game of football because of not only who he is as a player, but who he is most importantly as a person, and um, you know I'm a firm believer that good things happen to good people, and and he's one of the best people that I've ever met. So uh, you know our relationship is is continued to be strong throughout the course of uh, you know his professional career, and I'm extremely proud of him, and I hope he does really really well except twice a year.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the other the other one, you and Jalen Hurts have had a relationship for a long time. Not quite sure uh, how far it goes back, but can you talk about first time you met Jalen and, and, you know, kind of how your relationship um, has
4: progressed along with his career? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure to know Jalen for a really long time. Um, you know, his father was actually one of my high school coaches. So uh, I played for his father in high school. And so, you know, Jalen was probably four or five at the time and he would be he would be around his dad, would bring him around in the summertime in the facility, him and his older brother, Uh, you know, so I so I knew who he was throughout the course of my high school career. And, uh, you know, obviously his dad went to another school. So when I once I got into coaching after college, I went out recruiting and that was my recruiting area. So I would go recruit his dad's new school and Jalen would be there and he wants to be coached extremely hard. Um, and he has been coached extremely hard throughout his career, starting with his dad. So, um, you know, I, I, I know the type of person he is. He's, uh, extremely hardworking. He's extremely dedicated, extremely focused, goal oriented. Uh, and, you know, he has an unbelievable makeup in terms of his intangibles and, you know, the, the standard that he sets for himself on a daily basis.
0: Brian, um, final one for you here. You talked about some of the attributes of a quarterback, the mental confidence and ex- expectations. So what about physical attributes? What what do you – what's the whole package for you that, that makes a great quarterback?
4: It comes down to really three things. Um, and the first is to be able to deliver the ball accurately. If you can do that and put the ball in a position to where our uh, perimeter players can make plays – and stay on their feet and run after the catch and, and generate big plays. I think that is uh that is definitely a prerequisite for the position. So you have to be an accurate thrower of the football. Uh, you have to be an elite decision maker. I think you know football is a, is a game of who makes the fastest superior decision, and you have to you have to be able to process information well and play with your feet, play with your eyes, and make really quick decisions i mean things happen at such a high rate of speed uh in football but particularly in the nfl even more the windows become much tighter and you have to be able to create you know i think and what i mean by create is just is generate plays when things break down and you know every time is not going to be as pretty as you draw it up on the board because there's 11 guys on the other side that's trying to stop you so Uh, They have good players as well. So, you know, you really have to be able to uh, maneuver the pocket and create. And that that can come in a bunch of different shapes, sizes, forms and styles. I mean, there have been successful quarterbacks that all have completely differently, uh, completely different and unique styles of their own, but they've had success. So, uh, you know, I think it comes down to having those three attributes of, of being accurate, being a great decision maker, and then being able to create, whether it's in the pocket or creating out of the pocket. Uh, and if, if you can do that on a consistent basis, you have a chance to be pretty special.
0: Ryan, I can't wait to see things with you overseeing that room. You must be just like so anxious, so excited to get things rolling.
4: I, I really am. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a new challenge. I'm excited uh, to be in Philadelphia. It's an unbelievable fan base, an unbelievable football community, and I'm excited to uh, to bring you know to to bring a product that makes everybody proud.
0: Had you been to Philly
4: previously? Had you recruited in the area at all? Or did, did I you hadn't have been- previously. I mean, you know, I kind of stopped in and out. You know, we had, a couple of summers ago we did a a vacation like on the East Coast beaches, so we flew into Philly and like drove down and did some of the beaches with my family, but I hadn't spent much time there and it's been a month or so that I've been there. It's been awesome.
0: Awesome. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I appreciate it. Look All forward right. to meeting you in person. Thanks. Appreciate it. So we've heard from Merrill. We've heard from Mike, we've heard from Brian Johnson. Let's hear from new head coach, Nick Siriani, who has looked at Jalen Hurts. Now we talked about it last week, just a bit, but when coach Nick and Howie Roseman met the media on Thursday of last week, Sirianni was asked about Hertz. This is what he had to say at that time about Hertz. And, you know, after watching every play and certainly studying him coming out of the University of Oklahoma, Nick Sirianni is impressed.
2: We feel like good offensive football is catering to your players, particularly first and, for- and foremost your quarterback. So, of course, we're looking at different things, you know, that fit our offensive scheme, but then also what our quarterbacks do well. And, and you know, right now our quarterback on our team, all right, we have one quarterback on our team. So we're thinking about Jalen and and the things that that he does well, what he did well at Alabama, what he did well at Oklahoma, what he did well last year when he was here. And we're thinking about through those things and how we can make him as successful as we possibly can.
0: And there you go. That will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Terrific episode. Free agency marches on. The Eagles need to add certainly a veteran quarterback, uh, perhaps one in the draft as well. We shall see how it all goes down. I want to thank Trevor Hayes, Peter Kelly, Ray Doyle for their work internally putting this all together. I want to thank all of you for joining us each and every episode here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group if you have a moment to give us a rating we would appreciate that there's a link in the details section of the podcast library I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro thank you all so very much for joining us on this Eagles Insider Podcast have yourselves a great Eagles day and once again fly Eagles fly a
4: Eagles! In
3: just over three years, Eagles Autism Foundation has raised millions of dollars for autism research
2: and care. But this is about so much more than just fundraising. This is about making a transformational difference in the lives of those affected by autism. This is about bringing our community together. With inclusive, sensory-friendly events and accessible resources, we meet families where they need us most and where we can serve them best. Together, we're united in our mission to improve the lives of the autism community and to turn awareness into action. It's what we focus on. Every day in every way.